because in Acts 13, we see this, this verse. It's after, you know, Barnabas and Paul, they've sailed off from Cyprus, and they go to Antioch, and they're asked to, to share in the synagogue. And Paul gives this sort of Bible history, this brief summary, and then he's making this case for Yeshua as a Messiah, and he's talking about the lineage of David. And then he's making a comparison between um, uh, King David and Yeshua. As David is this Messiah-type figure and how he saw corruption. But he says this thing in this verse, um, in Acts 13, um, verse 36. And it's, so I'm sort of taking it out of context. But it's, it's something in it just grips me. It said, for David, after he had served the purpose of God... In his own generation. Fell asleep. And laid with his fathers. And saw corruption. I'm just focusing on that first part. For David after he had served the purpose of God. In his own generation. Something about that just grips me. It's like there's. There's certain verses you know. They'll speak to you. And then there's ones that just get in your guts. And you'll, you, you can't get them out. And this is one, and I, because I believe that God has a purpose for every individual. God has a purpose for us in our generation. God has a purpose for the generations. God has a purpose for people groups. God has a purpose for nations. But so much of all of this is simply following after God and finding, discovering what His purpose is for your own life and how all of those intertwine. How does that serve His purpose in the generation? How does it serve it in your own nation or people groups or in the nations that He's going to send you to? And this is the lifelong pursuit that He's called us to. This is the mystery that we get to seek after in pursuing God in this relationship with God. I, I didn't come from a believing home. I didn't, you know, grow up with this stuff. It wasn't normal. It wasn't natural. I wasn't, you know, already on my way. I was running quite fast and hard the opposite direction when he grabbed a hold of me. He got my attention pretty dramatically. And so I feel that's for a reason. And I feel like the enemy lies to us and robs us where so many times it's easy for believers to believe, oh yes, of course, God has a purpose. He has his purposes. Yes, I can believe there's a purpose for a generation or for a country, but it's hard to believe that God has a specific purpose for me. Like a very special, specific purpose. But I want you to know that he does. He absolutely does. It's funny kind of sharing this in this setting because so many of you are students here, you're coming for this school, so obviously you're already passionately pursuing the Lord. So why would I share this in a group like this? Because right now it's easy to, to go hard after God. Right now it's easy. You know, you're surrounded by a, a company of prophetic people in the presence of God. You know, or you're coming up the mountain, you know, for a Saturday night worship if you live here on the island. Or if you're visiting, you know, so I'm, I'm going to come to this place to be touched by the Lord and be refreshed. But this is not a, a one-time thing. This is not a six-month thing. This is not a Saturday night thing. This is not a when things are going well or when, you know, when the worship team is on or when the anointing is flowing or, or when life is good. This is an every day, every circumstance, every situation type thing. She got a word. I'm, I'm going to go through some verses here just to lay some things out because I, I, want, us to, I want us to get this inside of us. I, I want this to grip you like it grips me. 
I, I want you to be haunted by these things. I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but I've had some, <laughs> my people are laughing already. I've, I've had some students um, that we had the privilege to lead their school that would tell me years later, it's like, Jahi, you still show up in my dreams. I'll have dreams of you like exhorting me. Come on, you can do it, you know. And to, I could just and go home. I mean, to me, that is the best thing. That is the best thing because that's how we're to live every day of our life. You know, I love it. Ruben was up here, you know, encouraging us before worship. And he asked, do we need inspiration to worship? We shouldn't. But often we do, huh? You guys with me? Don't act like you, you're all that. Oh, nah, nah, nah. I don't need any inspiration. I'm always ready. Sometimes we need some encouragement. Sometimes we need some inspiration. But the truth is we shouldn't need it. He's always reason enough. And I want us to be a people. This is part of my purpose in this generation. Is to see a generation infected by this. That are gripped by the purposes of God. That you are always, always, always going hard for God. That you're always seeking a purpose. That there's never a day off. That there's never a dull moment. That there's never a time where, uh, well, I'm pretty sure he had a purpose for yesterday. And I'm pretty sure he has a purpose for tomorrow. But today I think it's just a, it's a throwaway day. No. There's no such thing. And if God has a purpose for a generation... What would it look like for an entire generation to grab hold of that? Not, not a country, not a region, not a stream, not a denomination. I don't mean a generation like from this age to this age. I mean an age on planet Earth. To say there are no days off. We're full bore all day, every day. This is it. God has a purpose. I woke up today, there's a purpose. Come on. I see, I get excited easy, I guess. I don't know. So, I'm easy. Anyways, one verse we often use um, in this, you, you hear people quote it a lot, is in Jeremiah 29. You know, the Lord says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, I don't want to rob this from you because you can appropriate this for yourself. But this primarily, first and foremost, this was a promise to Israel. This was a, a letter, this was something that God spoke through prophet Jeremiah to send to the captives when they were in Babylon to encourage a people, a dispersed people, saying, hey guys, don't forget, I got a plan, I got a purpose. It may look a little crazy right now, it may be questionable, you may not get it, things seem like they're falling apart, but I have a plan and I have a purpose. For an entire people group. Some others I want to pull out here. First Peter 2.9. Says, but you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. Anyone here been pulled out of darkness? Anybody here, when God found you, you were just like already sparkly white and squeaky clean and on the straight and narrow and, you know, doing great all on your own? I don't care what your background is. I don't care where you're from. If 
you grew up a believer, going to that first time where, where God becomes real to you, that when you're truly born again, stuff changes. It doesn't matter if you ever lived a life of sin or not. It's like you realize I was in darkness. testimony a little bit. <laughs> I was 19 when I first encountered the Lord and um, 21 really when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I was alone in my room and I, yeah, I lived fully a life of sin. Um, and, and so I'd had this encounter about a year before. So I knew, I knew Jesus was real. I, I came from a very new age kind of background, all accepting, you know. So for me to even have a, a revelation or understanding or a belief that that Yeshua was real and that he was the only way was huge for me. So I already thought I was doing pretty good, but I, I hadn't really truly given him everything. I hadn't surrendered to him yet. So I was still pretty much doing everything that I did before. I just knew now that Jesus was the way. <laughs> that, that knowledge didn't do me a whole lot of good by itself. Um, and I remember God started to speak to me in my room just like that first time I had encountered him. And, I mean, fast forward, he starts stripping all this stuff through my life, and he has me reading the Bible. I, I don't know anything. Like I said, I'm totally unchurched background. Um, and it's basically me and the Holy Spirit one-on-one. -on -one. He's speaking stuff to me, and I'm just saying, yes, you know, whatever he's telling me, I'm doing. And I'm reading the Bible, and, you know, when I first encountered him and tried to read the Bible, I started at Genesis 1-1, like everybody else who doesn't come from church and you don't know any better because I got lost really quick and the Holy Spirit's like no no read here read here read here and he's showing me and I was reading in the book of Acts and I was just like something inside of me was going crazy I'm like reading this book and I'm like oh like there was this wrestling going on inside of me there was this hunger you know inside of me and I didn't know what it was and and I was laying in bed at night reading and I was just like oh this something like this this dissatisfaction and I tried to close it and go to sleep and I was tossing and turning and I just couldn't sleep something was it was working its way out in me or gripping me I, 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 and finally I got out of bed I was like oh god what's going on I just I I have to have this all I know is what I'm reading in here I have to have this you know, I, I, I didn't grow up in the church, but I'd seen plenty of church around me. I'd seen plenty of Christians around me. And honestly, it had no appeal to me. What I knew of Christianity, what I'd seen of Christianity had no appeal to me. But this had an appeal. This was stirring something deep inside of me that I was like, oh, I have to have this. And I got on my floor because I didn't know what else to do. And I didn't really know, you know, big fancy prayers like I do now. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, God, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. All I know is I want this. But I just, oh, I give up. And I wasn't saying, like, I quit, like, uh, throw it out. It's, I'm done. But I was admitting, I don't know how to do this on my own. I, got, I have to have this. There's something inside of this that is touching me deeply. When I'm reading your word, it's gripping me inside. And I have to have more than I'm, than I'm getting. I, there's a deeper level to get it than I have it right now. And I got to have it, but I don't know how to do it. I can't figure it out. I can't work it out. So oh, I give up. But when I said those words, when I said out loud, I give up. It was like heaven opened over me. I literally, I was like on my, I was kind of, you know, on my knees trying to be spiritual and pray. And, but when that happened, it was like all of the strength and energy left my body. And I just like slumped to the floor in a, in a pile. And I, I, it was like a waterfall just pouring into me. And I just started to weep and sob. And it was like the deepest groaning. And I, I, I still can't explain it. <laughs> I, I can't do it justice and quite articulate what was happening to me. But it was, it was something just opened up. All that I was asking for was like something was just being released inside of me. And I, I really don't know 
what happened the rest of the time. I don't remember it ending. I don't really remember getting back in the bed. But what I do remember is waking up in the morning. And I was a college student at the time, and waking up in the morning for my morning class was not easy for me. I was not a morning person. And I'm not kidding. I literally jumped out of bed. It's like I threw the covers off, and I was like, What happened? Something's different. And I'm not kidding. Like, this sounds cheesy, but I could hear, like, like you hear the frogs and stuff outside? I could hear birds chirping, like, in the trees outside that I'd never noticed before. Everything seemed bright. Like, I was, like, my eyes were on overload. My senses were on overload. I'm like, what is happening? Like, seriously, I was tripping. I was like, what is happening? I was walking around like that for days. I walked into the kitchen, and my dad's sitting at the, at the table, and he looks at me. He's like, what happened to you? <laughs> it, th- this wasn't like a small, subtle thing. I was completely transformed. I was pulled out of darkness and brought into light. I was born again, literally, like seeing for the first time the world around me. My senses experiencing everything for the first time. It, 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 it blew my mind. I mean, my parents, you know, it was kind of like, so like they weren't believers. I already explained this. Then it was sort of like we were having an intervention meeting because my dad says, so your mother and I would like to talk to you. Can we set up a time, you know, like let's sit down and talk about what's happening because, you know, they didn't know if I was, you know, lost my mind on drugs or what was going on. They, they, they thought it was good because I was happy and, you know, things were, were different. But I, I was like, from one day to the next, at 21 years old, and I was very close with my parents. They knew me well. I was a completely different person. Uh, like, did an alien, like, invade your body or something? You know, it was like, <laughs> what are you, a cyborg or something? What happened to our son? You're not the same person. And I sat him down. I'm trying to explain. It's like... Oh, I don't know, I prayed for Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I don't know. And all I can explain is after 21 years, I felt like there was this weight on me that I never knew was there because it was always there. It's gone. And I said, I feel light and fluffy on the inside. <laughs> that was my, my uh, theological explanation to my parents of what had happened. Feel light and fluffy on the inside, but you know what? It was real, and they could see it. They could experience it through me. It was touching them. It didn't take a lot of fancy words. It didn't take me knowing how to pray or intercede for them. It didn't take you know me fasting and, oh, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But they simply saw a passion and a light that was not there before. I was pulled from darkness into light. And I can't take credit for this because this was so the Lord sovereignly working in my family's life. I found out at the same exact like time, not that it was the same time of day, but right in the same season, the same stuff was going on with my brother. I'm living in Southern California. He's living in Northern California. We're not talking. We're not sharing. The initial encounter I'd had with the Lord that I alluded to a year earlier, my brother and I were together when that happened. And then we, you know, went different ways. But the same thing was happening to him. Within less than a year, my entire family was saved, spirit-filled, and serving the Lord. I, I didn't work that out. That's the power of God pulling us from light to dark. And something we all have to realize is if we're, if we're saved, if we believe in Yeshua, he's done it for every one of us. It doesn't matter where you've come from. Before he was real to you, before you'd truly surrendered and given up and given him everything, You were in darkness. There was a separation. But at that moment, he's brought you into light. 
he, he grabbed a hold of you. Jesus, thank you, Lord. In Revelations 5, verses 9 and 10, it says this, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, out of every tongue, and people, and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Why, why am I saying this? Why am I going through these things? Because I want to hammer into you that God has redeemed you you that God has pulled you out of darkness we have lots of tribes and lots of tongues and lots of nations represented just in this room and it's easy to hide in a crowd it's easy to look around and and, and see God's plan and purpose all around us or for those around us or to to feel like a, a general part of God's plan and purpose. But I need you to know, I need you to be gripped by the fact, the haunting fact that God has a specific plan and purpose for your life, for you, you alone, individually. That your specific plan and purpose is connected to the plan and purpose of the person next to you. That all of this is intertwined. So if you are not going after that plan and purpose, if you are, you know, walking in this false humility of, oh, well, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to do that, and, you know, that, that would be thinking too much of myself, more highly of myself than I ought to, to think that God has some great plan in store for me or that he, you know, out of all these billions of people touched me specifically because he had something special in mind. When he touched me, oh, that just sounds arrogant. But if you are trying to get away from that, you're robbing all of us because you're part of this generation. You're robbing your nation. You're you're robbing your people group. And most importantly, you're robbing him. You're cheating him. He paid a price for every single one of us. For every single one of us, he paid a price. And if we try to diminish the call of God on our life, we diminish the price that he paid. If we diminish the purpose on our individual life, we diminish the purpose that he did it for. You were worth it. He didn't, he didn't grab you on accident. He wasn't after the person next to you. I don't, I don't think he was looking for a discount. I'll just take the whole bunch. And this is really, for me, what it's about. And it says it best in Philippians 3, verse 12. Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. He's talking about himself, and then he says, Therefore, if you're mature, basically he's saying, this isn't just for me, guys. This isn't just about me. 
It's not just for the great apostle Paul, but this is for everyone. Do you get this? That he laid hold of you for a reason. That you are here right now for a reason. That he saved you specifically for a reason. We owe it to him to live the rest of our lives to search out that reason. To chase hard after that reason. And it, and it really doesn't matter, I think, if we know fully what that reason is. Like if God's already spoken to you and your calling's clear and it's like, oh, this is what I'm called to and this is my vision. And you can run hard after that. Or you're simply running hard saying, I know there's a plan and a purpose. And I'm passionately seeking it out. Because I tell you what, at 21, just getting born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, I had no idea what the plan and purpose was. I had no vision whatsoever. I just got radically changed one day because I said, Lord, I give up. But that was enough to save my family. That was enough for the Lord to start to use it to reach people around me. And this is why I think it's important, because if we are living in this way, if we are living with purpose and living with passion, it's infectious. People see it. People sense it. It stirs other people to jealousy. It makes people want to sit you down and say, what happened to you? Why are you different? Romans 8 talks about the earnest expectation of all of creation eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. And I believe this is what it's talking about. God's after generations. God's after nations. He's after people groups. But he's also after individuals. And if we can fully give ourselves to saying, God, what was, what was in your heart? When you reached out and touched me, when you reached out and saved me, what was in your heart? Have you asked him that question? Have you asked him, God, why me specifically? If you haven't, I challenge you to do it. And it's not a, a thing of, well, why me, like, no, God, why? You didn't miss. It wasn't just a net. I didn't just happen to, to fall into this crowd. But like, Lord, you specifically reached through all of eternity, all of time, and, and all of the billions of people on the planet, of all the people around me, of, out of a generation, out of a people group, out of a nation, out of every tribe and every tongue. And you redeemed me. You pulled me out of darkness into light. And there's a reason for that. God, I want to be gripped with that reason. God, I want my life to be, to be fully poured out to seek out that reason. There, life is full of trials and tribulations. There's hard times. But if we know that he reached out and grabbed us for a purpose, then we know all of those things that he takes us through are for a purpose. We know that every day of our life, if, it's, if there's no throwaway days, if there's no days off, then we know every day of our life he's transforming us. It says we're being transformed from glory to glory, right? So that means that every day, every circumstance, every situation is an opportunity for him to work more of his glory and more of his character into us. So you can either let life beat you down. You can let circumstances beat you down. And I got to tell you, the, the, I think one of the hardest things is just mundane. It's easy to live for purpose when you're, you know, staffing a school. 
It's easy to live for a purpose when you've left all the regular stuff behind. You left your job and you're, and you're here and you have, you know, no distractions and you're just seeking hard after the Lord. It, it's, it's easy to, to seek hard after the Lord when you just take a Saturday night and say, okay, God, I'm just going to lay all that stuff aside and I'm just going to, you know, get into your presence and I'm going to worship you. But what about at the office on Monday? Or what about when you go home from here? What about when, when you know, you're, you're back in your family and you're back in the familiar settings or you're, you're working a job, you know, and you're like, okay, I want to go back for, for year two or, or, you know, I have to find a job in between years and, you know, I find myself working at Burger King or whatever to, to raise money for tuition. God, why am I at Burger King? There's nothing glorious about this. <laughs> Sorry, did I offend a Burger King fan? <laughs> He's like, you've never had a Whopper. <laughs> no, but you guys get where I'm going with this. It's so easy to lose sight of it, guys, when in the daily life, in the daily grind. It's so easy to lose sight of it. And we just wake up, and we get dressed, and we go to school, we go to work, we do our thing, and next thing you know, we're, we look just like everybody else around us. Punch my time clock, do my job, punch my time clock, go home. That does not reach people around us. That's not infectious in a good way. But when we come into work, like, whew, there's a plan and a purpose for this day. People are looking at you like, dude, it's just a whopper. <laughs> but you are going to see the glory of God all over this whopper. People are going to get saved when they bite into this thing. We have revival in Burger King. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm joking, but I'm serious. We have to get ourselves to where we can live our life with purpose and with passion. Because when we do that, it infects people around us. What is one of the greatest philosophical questions of all times? Why am I here? And the world is just bumping around to other people. Why am I here? I don't know. Why are you here? I don't know. What are you here? I don't know. And they're just going around. But what happens when they encounter people with purpose? and vision, and passion. It's like, you know, I don't even have it all figured out yet. But the God who created everything touched me personally. He has a plan and purpose for my life. And guess what? I'm going to figure it out. I'm going. You want to come with me? Come on, let's go figure it out. Let's run together. That, get, that gets people. Right now, I'm working at a, at a group home for troubled teens. Right, Whitney? Ooh. We work together. And one of, the, one of the boys told me one time, he's 13 years old, he's been through a ton of trouble, has a terrible background and story. When he first came to us, he literally was out of the home more days than he was in the home because he kept running away. He was getting expelled and kicked out of school. He was bringing drugs into the house. He was just, he was fighting with me, like literally physically. He's 13, about this big, trying to like fight with me and swing at me. I've never, I mean, I, I didn't grow up with the um, most kind-hearted people, most well-spoken people, but I've never been cursed in my entire life like I have by that 13-year-old boy. He said things about my wife and children. that were horrible. And after, I don't know, a few months of this, you know what he said to me? Joy! He was mad, too. It was really kind of funny. I'm trying not to like, kind of giggle about it because he's really mad and being serious. Joy! Why do you care so much? Just stop caring. Be like all my other, be like my teachers and people where it's just a job to them and stop caring about me. I said, I can't do that. That's not who I am. Because I've been gripped. 
something to it. It's simple. But if I could encourage you with one thing, it's that. Because this is something we can all say. It doesn't matter where we are. If you, if you feel like you know the, the plan and purpose, if you know why he saved you or if you don't, and you're still trying to figure it out, we can all put ourselves in the shoes of Paul here. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. That's what Reuben was talking about when we saw something in Jeff Collins. It was like, again, that thing in me, like, I got to have it. <laughs> this dude is crazy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can hang with this. But again, when, when that thing in my spirit that God implanted in me when I was born again, when he filled me with his Holy Spirit, when it started to resonate with what that man was sharing, and when I felt the spirit and the anointing in, that was resting on his life, there was something in me that's like, I got to have that. When I was around Matthew Ruda, I was like, I got to have that. Jerry Miller, I got to have that. I'm around these people, and I'm like, I got to have it. I got to have it. I want it. I want it. I want it. I come into the worship room and we're here to worship. It's like, God, I got to have it. There's no days off. I want to encounter you every single time. I'm sick. You know, I'm sick and tired of people bad mouthing the gift of exhortation. Uh Oh, Jesus, I was supposed to be wrapping up. <laughs> Listen, we're not after hype. We're not after an emotional experience. But he is just worth it. And if we're not gripped with every fiber in our being, crying out to have more of him, and to be running hard after the purpose that he reached each one of us for or drew us together in a room to worship or to pray or whatever it is, and we're not in unity fully going after that, then we're missing out. And if you're standing next to me like this, I'm missing out. And I can't stand it because there's still something in me. I got to have it. I want it. I don't know how about God, let's just, let's, let's get it. So I get up and I exhort. And yes, I'll be like, come on, let's go, guys. I don't have the words. I can't articulate. I don't know what to tell you to do. I don't even know how to tell us to get there. But I'll be up there like, come on, let's go. Let's press in. I don't know what that means. Neither do I, but come on, let's get it. You guys understand what I'm saying. And people are like, well, it's my, it's my worship time. It's between me and the Lord. The Lord knows my heart. <laughs> yes, he does. But if what you're doing isn't stirring me to jealousy, if what you're doing isn't helping release more light and freedom in my life, then I know you're not getting the fullness either. But when I stand next to you, when I get around these people here, what if Remy, Remy, I need, I need Remy in here, David, oh, come on, no, I mean, Reuben, these guys, when I get around them in worship, it's like, I remember, there was just days, like, I could come in the worship room, and I, like, across the room like this, I could see David over there, and he'd be worshiping, the presence of the Lord is on him, and we just kind of look at each other, like, it, it's just a nod, it's just some. Something, I'm connecting to something that's happening in him. When I look at him, I'm encouraged. When he looks at me, he's encouraged. And together, we're more, now more encouraged than we were before. All of a sudden, we're getting more than we had before. I could have just stayed home and worshipped. I could have stayed home and read my Bible and prayed and put on a worship music or, you know, the latest podcast and done church online. But he's not just after you individually. He's after people groups. He's after nations. He's after a generation. When we get it individually, it's something for us, but then it's for the person next to us. It's for our hometown. It's, it's for our, our congregation or our church. It's for our city. It's for our country. It's for an entire generation. 
When I'm sick and tired of us making excuses for ourselves. And robbing ourselves and robbing our brothers and sisters. And most importantly, robbing the Lord. Come on. If Jesus himself said, I wish we were either hot or cold. Just make up your mind. I'm sick and tired of the lukewarmness. I'm sick and tired of the excuses. Just gonna spit you out of my mouth. That's strong language. It's, it's crazy. He didn't just say, I wish you were hot. I wish you were just on fire. He's like, make up your mind. But don't sit here and call yourself a disciple of mine, and walk around making excuses, lukewarm, and half blanking it. Because you're robbing me of my inheritance in the saints. You're robbing my body. when we are going for it how much more how much more when you can just stand next to somebody look at them and they look at you and just like whoa come on so I want to encourage you guys run hard run with passion Don't take a single day off. Don't make an excuse for yourself. Don't make an excuse for the person next to you. And don't let them make excuses either. Work. Uh Uh-oh. Did we hit something? Work Ruben and Remy and all these guys out of a job of exhortation. Come hot. Stay hot. I lo- Dude, Mark, I saw your hat today. I love that. Stay woke. <laughs> right? It's not like, oh, okay, it's wor- time to worship. Oh, let me get ready here, wake up, do some stretches, some spiritual calisthenics to get warmed up. Like, no. Stay alert. Stay ready. Turn the dial all the way up and break the knob off. Hey, guys, like Paul said, I have not already obtained and I'm not perfected. My wife has to kick me in the rear all the time. Come on. Quit being grumpy. Come on. Remember? And she'll probably be having to do it tomorrow because every time you bring a word or an exhortation, you get tested in it. You know? (laughs) But listen, if I don't encourage other people to do it, and I don't give people the freedom to do it, then I'm never going to receive it either. And I want it. I want people that love me enough to come upside of me and, come on, let's go, snap out of it. All right, come on, let's go. (laughs) Really, that's what I have. That's my heart. Get all you can in this season, and then after, get all you can. No days off. This is not a six-month period. This is not a season to where you come here, you get on fire, you do your thing, a season of consecration where you, where you serve the Lord, and you're on fire, and then you, and then you go home. No. You come and you get infected, and you go and you infect others. You stay woke. And you make so much noise that everybody else around you can't go to sleep. <laughs> right? Come on. All right, I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. For now. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you, God. Right now, Jesus. Mm. right now God we just want to pray against every lie 
against a spirit of false humility. Lord, that would try to rob us and you of your fullness in our lives, God. Lord, we, we want to break off, Lord, every thought, God, everything that would say, no, that's not for me, or, or that would force us to, to think smaller. When we start to dream big, everything that would try to put on the brakes, Hey, you guys ever in worship like had a crazy thought? Like, like this is just something you're like, oh, I want to, you know, I feel like I should do a cartwheel. Or I, just wanna, I, I feel like I need to run around. And, ah! and then you get another thought, no, I, I can't do that. <laughs> get rid of I can't do that. And if it really is crazier, it seems like it's going to be disturbing. And you don't know that's what these people are for. <laughs> hey, Ruben. I don't know, this sounds crazy, but I feel like I'm supposed to do a handstand. It's like, okay, we'll talk about it after. <laughs> you know? Or go do your handstand. That's why you're here. But those things that try to hinder, those things when those wild thoughts jump in your head, the Holy Spirit wild thoughts jump in your head, and it's like, oh, it's like something crazy. And then it's like, no, I could never do that. Or, here's a good one, that's not me. I don't, I don't dance. That, that's, not, that's not my personality. Oh, 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 okay, did we hit something? Okay, let me tell you right now. The Word of God says that He dances over us. That He dances and rejoices. And we have been created in His image. Hey, I'm not, listen, hold up, hold up, hold up. No, let's not point, fi- point fingers at people because we all have this. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. You know, mine is singing in front of people. I hate, it's like the hardest thing, but I, periodically I'll make myself do it. The Holy Spirit will come and I'll get a, you know, a little prophetic line and I'll get up here and, you know, try and croak it out. But we cannot limit God working in us by thinking we have a right to determine what our personality is. He laid hold of you and paid a price for you. You got to take your hands off the wheel. It didn't happen the other way around. You didn't go and grab him and say, all right, look, now this is how it's going to be. He grabbed you for a reason. Right? Like, Lord, whatever that reason is, I'm giving myself to that. If you want me to dance, you want me to sing, you want me to cry, you want me to laugh, but in my stream, in my expression, this, I don't care. What's, what's his expression? What's his stream? What's he saying? What's he doing? What's his heart for you? Right? That's what we want to be about. Yeshua said, I only do what I see my father doing. He didn't say, I I only do what I feel like doing. I only do what I'm comfortable with. No. So lots of times you can tell and you can see what your father's doing by what's happening around you. Or by what the Lord is saying through the exhortations, through the lyrics and the songs that we're singing. I will shout <laughs> right? all dance. No, I'm serious. It's like we have all these things that are so practical and they're right there in front of us and often we don't use them. But this is all part of it, all practical training. This is not just for now. But when you leave here, to trust the Lord and that he's laid hold of you and that you will take the, the, um, take all the, the walls and the ceilings, take, take everything that would hinder him from moving off and just let go.
and say, Lord, you have total control and free reign. So, Father, we do. We just thank you, Lord, for releasing that freedom, God. Lord, to pursue you passionately, God. Lord, with the infectious type of passion, God, that something in us, God, as we pursue you, God, would just release freedom in others, God. Lord, if creation itself is eagerly awaiting you to be revealed in us, God, how much more should we be eagerly awaiting to see you fully released in our own lives? God, we just want it right now, God, we want to give it all to you. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now, Lord, if there's been any places in our lives, Lord, where we've hindered you moving. Lord, if there's areas that we're not allowing you to go. If there's expression we're not allowing you to have. We want to give it to you completely, God. Lord, where if we see something in someone, a gift, an expression of you. And there's a hunger in us that we're going to go after it. We're going to pray. We're going to ask for impartation, God. If, if we're sensing you moving in the room, God, that we're going to go all in, Lord. Lord, that, that is, we're about our daily lives, God. That as you're speaking, God, that we'll be quick to listen and quick to obey, God. And Lord, we will live with the passion and expectation for our lives, God, and for you to move. Lord, I just pray for, for a gripping experience, God. I pray even in, in our sleep. I believe that some of you guys, that there's going to be a greater level of this, of just a gripping, something inside of you just feeling gripped. And we just say yes to you, Lord. Holy Spirit, do it. We got to have it. Amen.